today on Ag News Daily. Uh, on acres that you have planted based on an APH, I mean, we kind of take a guess at that. Uh, but what do you do about the rest of the stuff that's not in the ground? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Another rainy day here in central Iowa and across, I think, lots of the Midwest, if not U.S., I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Pearson. Mike, we had an exciting day in the grain markets today, haven't we? Holy cow. It gapped higher at the open last night, and it has just mm. been on a rocket ship ever since. So we'll be sure to get into that in detail with our good friend and podcast sponsor and occasional steak person buddy, Ted <laughs> Seifert, will be on joining us uh, for our you know, Market Monday on Tuesday today. Yes, that's right. We felt it was uh, maybe a little more newsworthy to talk markets today. Yes. Yeah, I think in a situation where we're in, we'll be getting the uh, planting progress numbers out here in just a little bit this afternoon. You know, that's what that's what's driving us here. And I don't want to get into it. We'll, we'll jump into it with Ted. We'll talk uh, rain. But I'll tell you what, Delaney, I had the chance this weekend to go to Omaha and the number of flooded fields I saw in western mm -hmm. Iowa, which is fairly hilly country, was was mind-boggling. I could probably count on two hands the number of fields we passed which actually had emerged corn. It is it, it looks like April 28th, not May 28th out there in uh, in Iowa today. Yeah, well actually I drove kind of the opposite direction of you. I drove more towards eastern and northeastern Iowa. Same story there, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it is it is going to be a frustrating year for a lot of producers, mm -hmm. but um so as you mentioned, though, we do have the crop progress report coming out here a little while later, and we'll make sure and share that on our social media accounts. But, Mike, do you want to take another wager and see uh, where we're at for corn and soybean plantings? Yes. You want to go nationwide or you want to look at Illinois again? Uh, I think we should do nationwide this time. All right. Nationwide, I'm going to say, so analysts are anticipating 63%. Mm -hmm. Ted over at Zayner is anticipating 64%. I think Ted's a pretty sharp guy, and I think he works with enough producers to have a pretty good handle on this number. Um, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to say we're at 60%. Oh, okay. I'm going to say 62% for corn. All right. All right. So we'll see. What about soybeans? What are your thoughts? Let's see, Ted, I think he estimated somewhere around 31%. I don't think mm -hmm. we're probably quite that high. I'm going to say 28% planted soybeans. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride the boat with Ted here. I'm going to say 31% and we're gambling a steak dinner. How's that sound? Ooh, all right, I'm in. You got to, whoever's closest. Okay, are we doing a I percentage? Hope. Last time we did within 2%. This time we're throwing that out? Yeah, this time we're throwing because neither one of us got a free right. meal last That's week, true. so that, that kind of sucked. <laughs> That's true. All right. Here we go. All right. Write those numbers down. Yeah, I better write those down or I'm going to forget yeah. them. Right. And I'll change mine. Well, we've got, we've got recorded proof for that. Eh. All right. Well, what else is going on in the news today, Delaney? We had one big yes. piece of news out of D.C. Do you want to bring us up to speed? We're all fired up about this last week, and now yep. it's DOA. Well, not 100% dead on arrival. Um, what Mike is referring to here is the disaster aid package that was absolutely passed in the Senate. So this is the way that I understand it from what I've read today. Um, essentially, the House tried to create a voice vote because some of the folks had already left for recess. So they were trying to create a voice vote to send it to the floor to vote on it and essentially fast track this you have to have unanimous consent, however, to have a voice vote. And we saw a freshman 
Texas Republican uh, Chip Roy objected to putting the measure to a vote. The only one who objected. So tried again to put it to a voice vote today. And again on Tuesday, he said, no, I'm not going to allow this to be fast-tracked. His argument, from what I can tell, is that it doesn't provide border or... Um, uh, what's the word? Oh, he wants migrant crisis funding. Yes. Doesn't present oh. that. And that was why he voted no two times now. Well, and he hasn't voted no. He's just, he's demanding it be a full roll call well, vote, right. which means the House has to be there. So yep. we're not going to see passage as long as he holds to this until June 4th at the earliest. Right. Yep. After they get back from recess. Yes. So, so stay tuned. We'll, uh, it sounds like we'll have a couple days off talking about uh, disaster funding anyway, but yes. you know it's it's terrible with all of this water coming down. We're going to have to get something through at some point sooner rather than later, I would think. I would think so too. But you know, what do I know? I'm not a politician, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, actually, since we're talking about politicians, I had another interesting piece of news here um, because you and I have debated it. We're we talked about it with Dr. Scott Irwin, and that's whether or not this new assistance package, the MFP package or payments, will influence planting decisions. And House Agriculture Chairman Colin Peterson told AgriPulse last week in an interview that he tried to talk to Secretary Purdue and Deputy, Se Deputy Secretary Steve Sensky about holding off the announcement until we really saw final planting numbers being finished up here. He said, I think this is going to force more soybean acres, which we don't need, into the system, contrary to what they say they want to do. So he is definitely pointing the finger at the USDA, it sounds like, that, hey, this is going to influence the markets and it's kind of your fault. Right. And, you know, of course, it, there's political optics that come into this. Representative Peterson is a Democrat from Minnesota mm -hmm. and Secretary Purdue and Steve Sensky are, of course, Republicans. So there's going to be a fair amount of that kind of finger pointing. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll just have to see if anything can get in the fields this summer. Yeah, it is uh, going to be an interesting summer. That's for sure. It is. And Delaney, it might get more interesting. Mm. So we have talked quite a bit, of course, about the trade war and a couple of the cards that China has yet to play. We we're talking last week the U.S. might put 10 to 25 percent tariffs on the remaining $300 billion worth of imports from China that we take. Um, and China really only has about another $60 billion worth of American imports it could put tariffs on. And that was one of the reasons that President Trump believed this would be a fairly easy war to win. However, China has a couple other arrows in its quiver. Uh, one of them is, you know, they hold a significant amount of U.S. debt. Nobody has brought that up yet, which I think is good news for all of us here who, uh, you know, like to stay solvent. The other thing that China is considering, according to uh, the Global Times in China, that Beijing is, quote, seriously considering restricting exports to the U.S. of rare Earths, which are 17 chemical elements, basically you know, stuff that gets mined out of the ground, that we use every single day in cell phones, TVs, electronic stuff, and military hardware. Hmm, we okay. could see China restricting those exports. That would take this trade war to a whole new level. Yes, it absolutely would. And I don't know how we would respond. I wonder... I wonder what that would look like, and I wonder how much that would shake the markets. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think 
I don't know. Could that be, would you consider that kind of a black swan event? Um, well, no, cause we're talking about it. We've got enough notice, okay. but yeah, I mean, a year ago, if they had, China had just dropped this and said, Hey, we're restricting exports of this yeah. stuff, then it certainly would be. Hmm. All right. Something to keep an eye on then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, another thing to keep an eye on that's being pushed out into the future here is a U.S. Japanese trade agreement. We saw President Trump have a trip to Japan over the weekend here, and it sounds like there was a lot of talk about trade that went on, as well as some sumo wrestling and uh, golf visits. But President Trump said on Monday that trade-wise, he thinks it won't be something that's going to be announceable or really something that's going to be short up until August at the earliest. He said, we've got quite a bit of catching up to do with Japan, and they've been doing much more business with us, which is great. So um, we'd like to do a little business in the reverse with them. All right. So August, that's our, our new that's, timeline for I would the say trade that's deal. A, which yes. They're still not planning to talk agriculture. It's hard to say at this point. Okay. The at least that, that's the last we've heard. Well, the EU is definitely no ag. I think Japan's a little more open to it. Ah, okay. All right. Well, then we will continue to watch this with great interest. Yes. Speaking of watching things with great interest, we had the conference board release their consumer confidence index on Friday. And, uh, excuse me, they released it today relating to the month of May. And they said that uh, consumer confidence jumped. It's up to 164 uh, excuse me, 134.1, which is up five points from a month ago. So consumers are looking around. They've got jobs. Wages are increasing. And they're uh, they're feeling a little more comfortable. However, they did say that the uh, the survey ended May 16th, and the tariffs between the U.S. and China went into effect on May 10th. So they're not sure if, like, people were factoring that in when they were uh, reporting themselves to be more confident. So mm. next month, they'll definitely have that included. All right. Well, we will definitely watch that to see. Uh, really, the only other piece of news I have for today is some ethanol-related news. And I thought this was pretty interesting and didn't realize this until I kind of read through the story. It's ethanol is the fastest-growing U.S. ag export of the past decade. So according to a recent analysis by the U.S. Grains Council, they've shown that non-beverage ethanol – so you can't include your Tito's, Mike, or whatever. But uh, non-beverage ethanol has been the fastest growing U.S. agricultural export over the past decade by quite a bit, a very large significant margin. In 2018, U.S. ethanol exports totaled more than 6.5 billion liters, and they were valued at $2.7 billion. What is that in American? Yeah, <laughs> um, 1.72 billion gallons. Oh, all right. Thanks for having that number handy, Delaney. Good I for got you. It. Yes. I don't know. I, other than that, I can't really quantify it for you or give you like what that looks like. Like, I don't know how many cars that would fill up. Oh, a ton. Right. Yeah. Lots, yeah. lots and lots of cars, especially at 10%. Exactly. So hmm. their analysis revealed that the volume of ethanol exports grew 18% over the past five years and 13% over the past 10 years. Fantastic. That is great news. Now we just need to see that continue to grow. That's right. 
Yeah, exports. I've got just one other piece of news. This one is coming from north of the border. Had a report out of Reuters that Canadian farmers' net income dropped 21% last year to $8.6 billion. And they say what's really squeezing farm income up north is rising input costs. That's what crushed them in uh, 2018. And um, they say that interest expenses rose 19.5%. I, I didn't realize that the interest was climbing that fast uh, mm-hmm. up there in the Northland, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good accent, don't you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, that's the way things go up there. That's right. Maybe up there, like with our Uper friend, Gary. That's right. Um, they did say that farmers should expect additional concerns this year, Canadian farmers, because of the recent difficulties with China in getting canola into that country. Mm. Okay. So we'll have to see how it all shakes out. Mm-hmm. But uh, remember, folks, it's not just farmers in the U.S. struggling. It's farmers across North America. That's very good point, Mike. I know, Delaney. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. All right. Well, what do you think? Should we jump into the markets and and find some good news for cash grain growers today? Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, folks. Well, our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Stay tuned. Listen to Ted Seifert, their chief market strategist, or give them a call at any time and use them to manage your marketing risk. Reach out and find them at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. Well, it is bright green in the grains today. July corn jumped 16 cents to finish at 4.20 and a quarter. December was up 17 and a quarter, finished at 4.37 even. Soybeans followed right along. The July contract was up 26 and a quarter cents, finishing at 8.56, with November new crop up 26 and a quarter cents to close at 8.82 and a half. Chicago wheat, yeah, right in there as well. July up 15 and a quarter at 504 and three quarters. September contract up 15 and a quarter as well, finished at 512 even. Moving over to the world of livestock, a mixed trade in live cattle. The June contract was up 37 and a half cents at 111.55. The August down 17 and a half to finish at 107.77.50. And weakness in feeder cattle. Watching that corn market skyrocket is certainly taking the wind out of feeder cattle sales. August was off a dollar at 142.22 and a half. The September was down a dollar 20 to finish at 142.67.50. And weakness again in lean hogs. The June contract was down 245, finishing at 83.97.50. The July was down 225 to close at 87, excuse me, 85.70. And we also had weakness in the dairy market today. As we pull up and take a look at Class 3 milk, we've got the June contract down 24 cents at 16.07 and the July down 12 to close the day at 16.40. Without further ado, let's figure out ways we can manage this market with our good friend, Ted Seifer. Well, usually on Tuesdays, we have a Tech Tuesday discussion, but we thought, hey, the markets are actually moving today in the in a positive direction. So to help discuss those moves, we've got on Ted Seifried, the vice president for Zaner Ag Hedge. Ted, give us your thoughts today. I mean, it looks great across the grain markets. Is it all weather related? Well, yeah, I mean, the markets look great, but the fields that we're trying to plant these commodities in don't look great. And and that's what it's all about, right? I mean, it it is a weather market, 
with a sprinkle of front short covering, although we could be coming to the end of that here fairly soon. Uh, but yeah, this is a weather market. It is as good as the forecast. However, we're really getting to the end of the window of opportunity to plant corn, at least in a timely fashion. Uh, so the corn market is really hitting fever pitch with this thing right now. It's really getting uh, upset or concerned about it. Um, you know, as some people are talking about some really massive acreage losses for corn, or if we do end up getting corn acreage in after the bell um, and really kind of mudding it in in bad conditions, well, then we're going to lose yield. So it's either we have the acres and the yield is, is suffering dramatically, or we have the uh, the yield, but the, the acres just didn't get in. At least that's the thought that the market is having right now. I think the market is sort of factoring in something – close to about a six to eight million acre loss for corn and probably a six to eight bushel per acre uh, yield reduction for corn uh, with a balance sheet somewhere under 1.4, 1.5. At least that's kind of from the price action and price activity, that's what I would suggest. But again, keep in mind with the funds going into this whole thing being record short uh, and then having a weather reason to rally, they've had to run for the hills. So that's kind of... Uh, a part of this, right? I mean, that that's something that's sort of helping us with the strength that we have seen. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a combination of things happening all right during a, a planting season. I can't remember a time where we've had such a, a strong rally coming from planting by itself. But then again, this is sort of historic where, where we're so far behind on corn at this point that we haven't really seen numbers like this before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We are kind of in uncharted territory. This is going to be a great year. I think agronomists are probably dreading this upcoming season, but we are going to learn a lot about how these new varieties can survive in wet, wet, saturated soils. Ted, I... You've hit something on the head here that I know a lot of producers are wrestling with. Uh, I know you're anticipating 60-ish percentage, 64% of corn to be planted when we get the USDA's planning progress number this afternoon. For a lot of growers, they're partially planted in corn. They mudded that corn in. They're not sure what yields are going to look like. How does a producer in that scenario take advantage of these prices today? Are we just buying puts? Are, what's your strategy for working with with producers who are dealing with that kind of variability? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation to be in if, you know, you've got, say, 3,000 acres of corn that you want to plant, but you've got only 1,200 in. So, I mean, we can make cash sales on part or, I mean, we can go to 100%, I suppose, if you want to, uh, on acres that you have planted based on an APH. I mean, we can kind of take a guess at that. Uh, but what do you do about the rest of the stuff that's not in the ground yet? And that's where, you know, coming in and buying the puts might make more sense. Now, there is some risk involved. Uh, I mean, if you just go out and buy puts, then the risk is what you're paying for the puts, right? But there is some risk involved if you want to do that uh, uh, and do it so that it's not costing you a lot of -of out-of-pocket money. And the way to do that is to go in and, say, buy a December $4 put, which, by the way, here at the end of the day was going for right about 15 cents for a $4 put. Well, if you want to try to offset some of that 15 cents, I mean, you can go clear out to uh, almost a a 5.20 call in December, and the last trade there was 14 and a quarter. So pretty close for an even money scratch. You can own the $4 put, sell the 5.20 call. In this case, you're paying maybe three quarters of a cent, uh, per bushel, which is really not much, uh, and then you've got a floor. 
and you also have a ceiling. So basically what you're saying is that you're you're okay with prices anywhere between four dollars and five twenty. Anything over five twenty, well, you're gonna end up selling at five twenty. I think most of us would love to do that. Um, and worst case scenario is you've got the, that four dollar floor. So I think that is a good strategy right there for guys that don't know about the acreage because we can manage that strategy we can kind of change it around uh, i'm not too worried about that five to, 520 call eating us up at least not right away there's some people that think we can go to 550 corn and that's possible i suppose um but 520 is not too far off that mark either so ted with all that being said that's one strategy to use right now but in talking to guys that I've chatted with a little bit today, they are like, no, I don't want to sell any corn yet. This is going to go a lot higher. How much of your new crop would you have sold right now at this point? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, ways to approach things, but I think I should be between, you know, 45 to 60% sold on new crop, but there's also reownership strategies on ways that we reown bushels, you know, and there's always more bushels to sell. I mean, it, before we even get to new crop, we got to talk about where you're at on old crop. And this is an opportunity to be selling old crop if you haven't been doing that, right? So, um, you know, we always want to look at both sides of the coin. You know, what are, you do, what are we doing on the cash side? What are we doing on the future side? If we can't do everything in cash because we don't know what we've got planted, well, then we're going to be a lot heavier on the board as far as, like we were talking about, buying puts and maybe selling calls, things of that nature. If you're able to really, uh, if, you, if you've got a crop in the ground and you're able to make the cash sales, well, then, you know, calls are, are, are rather expensive, but there are ways of kind of putting together uh, programs to reown corn to take it to take uh, advantage of a rally. And a lot of guys today, and this was not my uh, thing I was looking at, but a lot of guys calling and wanting to buy calls today, um, you know, which I don't normally do on a day where we're 17 cents higher in corn. But, you know, that's the feeling. You know, guys want to be able to have – that upside potential, even if it's even if it's buying you know out of the money calls, but just in case things really get crazy, and I totally understand that, and I'm not going to fight anybody on it, um, you know. But yeah, I mean there is that that sort of want. I'm seeing that want out there uh, to have that upside potential, and I completely understand it. Well, it's just it's been so long, Ted, since we've been able to get bullish about the grains that now we've got the chance. You know, no hedge mm-hmm. is quite like a Texas hedge. You might as well put it on. I suppose is the thinking. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of guys see a rally and want to not sell, right? And, right? and that makes sense. But you know, a couple of weeks ago, if I had asked you if you had a chance to sell 437 December corn, would you do it? Everybody would say yes. I would love that opportunity. Please, please get me that opportunity. Well, here we are, and for the most part, I think guys are waiting and, and don't want to do anything with that. And again, to an extent, I get it. You know, we don't want to be left out on opportunity. Um, but that's why we manage these sorts of things. We manage opportunity just as well as we manage risk. And if that's what our concern is, we're going to use cash sales to manage risk, and we're going to use other tools to manage our opportunity. And, again, we always have more corn to sell, too. We don't have to replace 100% of the bushels that we're selling because we'll have more to sell. Um, you know. But if you want to replace some of that, there are ways to look at it. Absolutely, Ted. Now, I want to talk about the soybean market. That market has been up and down. We've seen trade moves really knock it back down. But today, is it just following along with corn or is the market actually building some concerns about weather in soybeans as well? Yeah, you know, we've been sort of back and forth on soybeans because on one hand, we're thinking, well, maybe if this weather pattern continues that we're going to have a hard time with soybeans. But then pretty quickly after that, we think, yeah, but 
if we get a window of, of opportunity to plant soybeans, we can end up with a lot more soybean acres that we don't need. Well, today we're taking the first side of that coin a little bit more. Um, the idea is that, you know, wow, this weather pattern seems to be persistent. We're expecting to be just at right about 30% planted this time of year for soybeans. So now we're starting to get into record behind on soybeans. And can we get this bean crop planted at this point? So, yeah, the trade's starting to to like the idea or, or think that maybe the bean acres are going to be at risk too, and therefore soybeans had a had a rather strong day. But compared to what corn's done in the last 10 days, soybeans have been just trying to get up off the mat, not really been very successful doing that. Uh, today was a much better day for that. Ted, the other thing I really want to pick your brain about, we had Dr. Scott Irwin on the podcast last Friday to kind of talk through this idea that perhaps acres would switch because of the new market facilitation assistance package announced last week. I know you've been kind of delving through it and figuring out what this really means for the market. Is the soybean market, are we going to see, I mean, weather aside, are we going to see potentially more acres and soybeans being picked up if weather doesn't remain an issue in the soybean markets and what are your overall thoughts about this new assistance package as it pertains to uh to soybeans and corn markets well it's very convoluted at the moment delaney because for the most part uh from what we can tell it doesn't seem like prevent plant plant acres are going to be include included in mfp 2.0 um there are some different opinions about that and we're again we're not exactly sure but there does also seem to be some a disaster relief program that is trying to work its way through um, the House. I believe it's been passed by the Senate um, or maybe vice versa. Either way, that would take care of PP acres or help with, with our prevent plant acres. But we're not sure by how much or what. So we really don't have a good idea. And, and I think for the most part, the way guys are going to look at this is that, hey, if I, uh, if I don't get planted something – I might miss out on my payments. So in my mind, that, that is bullish for acres. I mean, by that, I mean bullish for gaining more acres, not necessarily bullish for the markets. Uh, but I think guys are going to really try to get some acres planted. And, and you know, at this point, uh, when we start looking at opportunities to plant corn, and that might be a little ways down the road, um, and, and at what point do we start losing too much yield? Because if, if we're down more than about 10 to 15% on yield, then it really doesn't matter if we get the payment or not. That's a loss right there. So um, then you start looking at soybeans. And so the concern is that we're going to just be getting soybean acres in to get soybean acres in in order to get a payment, sort of regardless on when we're able to do that. Um, and that's almost the opposite of what we really need right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. And Ted, you know, Delaney said it's a great day in the markets, and it is for cash grain producers. It's a terrible day if you're running feeder cattle. We're off a buck twenty, a buck forty, a dollar in the feeder cattle markets. How are how are cattle feeders adjusting to this big jump in grain prices? Yes, right. So you know, I mean, I think that was you look at the cattle on feed report there on Friday that was really quite friendly and yet we couldn't get yeah. any sort of traction with that feeders were sort of the leaders to the downside here today and I think every that had a, a whole lot to do with corn being up 17 cents so that is a concern um you know in the last uh, the 10 trading sessions or so for feeder cattle have been have been reflecting that um we'll see where we go from here I, again you know it's a weather market right and and corn can change with the weather if we all of a sudden have a 
good planting window, then we could take that away from the feeder cattle market or take that pressure off the feeder cattle market. And I'm I'm fairly friendly for protein demand here in the United States. I'm pretty friendly for cattle. Uh, I like kind of this basing formation that we've got on a cattle chart right now. And, you know, getting into more of grilling season, you know, if this weather ever gives us a chance, you know, that, that was a bit of a disappointment for the Memorial Day holiday, right? Um, but overall, you know, I'm, I'm fairly friendly for cattle to the upside. I think the time is right for it. We've really, again, carved out a nice little bottom here at this point. Now, Ted, before we let you go, hog market, we're off 250 today, uh, or $2, I suppose, in some of the deferred months. But what's it going to take to get this thing back? Is the market just waiting on a big purchase from China again? Is that what we need? Well, we had a big purchase from China, or a big-ish purchase from China last week, and that wasn't enough to really get the market excited. Um, you know, hopefully we're improving our relationship with Mexico, maybe Mexico is going to be in in a bigger way. There's a number of things that are fairly positive, especially, you know, obviously ASF happening in China and that not seeming to be going away anytime soon and starting to spread a little bit more. But we also have a lot of cash up front. We have a lot of pork up front, and we just can't seem to get that, that cash market excited uh, right now. And part of that, I think, has to do with the weather. But longer term, I'm really quite friendly for hogs yet. I think it's going to be... Uh, one of those hot markets where we just you know, we don't have enough supply to satisfy demand here domestically and globally when you combine all of that. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's very similar to what happened in the corn market where, you know, a lot of us that know what we're talking about, we're saying, hey, this weather is a problem and this longer-term forecast is a problem and we're going to have a problem and we need to go higher. But it took a while to realize that. And, you know, I wonder if hogs are kind of seeing the same sort of thing. Absolutely. Ted, thank you so much for breaking down the markets for us today. Before we let you go, how can folks interact with you on social media or give you a call if they have questions they'd like to ask? Yes, absolutely. You can find me on social media. I'm at the Ted Spread on Twitter. Um, so check it out there. I, I've i been fairly active lately, so give me a follow and certainly uh, have some conversations with me. Uh, aside from that, you can find us at the web on the web at www.zaner.com, or you can call me directly at 312-277-0113. Awesome. Ted Seifert, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Well, Blaney, there we go. You know, it's always – it cracks me up. Ted mentioned there in the corn market, farmers getting long the market trying to buy calls and, you know – it's one of those things when, when a market gets to running, it is pretty exciting to be a part of it. It is, and it's exciting to watch it from the sidelines, too, when I don't have any skin in the game, especially. But it's more fun to put some skin in the game, Delaney. we got to get you a hedge account opened. I don't think I'm supposed to. What? Why not? I think since it, I host Market to Market, you're not supposed to actively trade. Well, you know, I suppose you're you know trying to be what non-biased or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look like I have a position or anything to gain if the market moves one way or the other, is how they explained it to me. Oh, pish posh. Well, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you there, but uh, state state yeah. agency for you. I suppose so. Well, if uh, if our listeners want to tune in, catch other past podcasts, they can do it. Just go to our website at agnewsdaily.com, or you can always find us on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Just search for Ag News Daily, and we will be there. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. 